We pray together. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire to do in our lives. Lord, illuminate this gospel passage for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In that gospel, we're reading this gospel here, and maybe you pick that up, you're like, did Jesus just call that woman a dog? Like, what's going on there? I don't want to, I want to walk through this gospel to see what Christ is doing in this gospel passage, where he's seeming first to ignore and then to insult this woman. But what he's really trying to do is to reveal something that is present in the heart of his disciples and to call them to conversion. The same is true for us. So we, we just, again, go through this story here. They are in uh, the land of Canaan. So they're in Gentile territory, and not just Gentile territory, but the land of Canaan. And for the Israelite people, Canaanites were, were some of the, the lowest of the low. There was lots of war and strife with them over the years. Uh, they were uh, pagan people. Um, if you read in the book of Kings, lots of different significant immoralities, just this, lots of tangible, practical things that were just not in accord with how the Lord has called us to live, and even to the point of where they would sacrifice their children to demons. So like it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the greatest culture uh, uh, in the world there. And so there was some real, some real strife uh, and, and a looking down upon them. So they're in this, this territory, and this woman approaches Jesus, and it says, she called out, have pity on me, Lord, son of David which already should surprise us. As she is recognizing Jesus as Lord and Son of David, as King. So here she is coming, in a sense, proclaiming this faith in Christ. She says, my daughter is tormented by a demon. And I can imagine that the disciples are going, yeah, like, it's pretty much your fault because if you wouldn't be sacrificing to the demons and all the different things that you're doing, opening doors for this to happen, then, like, you deserve that. Your daughter deserved that. Potentially, they're thinking this. I don't know. It says Jesus doesn't say a word to her. Again, seemingly ignoring her. And then the disciples are like, send her away. She keeps calling out after us. Like, come on, Lord. She's aggravating us. Tell her to go home. Tell her to leave. And what does Jesus say? I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, seeming to say like, hey lady, you're barking up the wrong tree. I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What does Jesus mean here? Two layers. First layer is that all throughout Scripture, it's clear that the Lord goes to Israel first, not only to choose them, but from the very beginning, even in Genesis, and as we read today in the, in the prophet Isaiah, to use them as an instrument to drawing the entire world back to him. 
but that Israel would be the lowly one, the small one, that, that the Lord would use to draw all people back to him. So there was a mission back first to Israel to restore them and to draw them into the true faith of Christ. And, but it also here, there's a second layer in which currently at this time, there are only two tribes of Israel left. There were 12 tribes originally. The first 10 during the Assyrian exile had been exiled into foreign countries, and they, they interspersed and intermarried with the Gentile countries, the Gentile communities. So in a certain sense, they called them the lost tribes. And so to gather back all of the tribes, to gather back all of Israel, to mission to Israel, means that you have to mission to the Gentiles as well, because that's where 10 of the tribes are, to draw them back in. So there's a double layer that he's speaking about. He's not, he's not uh, you know, kind of casting her away. And then it says, the woman came, and here, here's again, it's amazing. The woman came and did him homage. This Greek word, proskeno, can also be interpreted as did him worship. She acknowledged him as Lord and said, Lord, help me. The persistence of her faith. And then he said in reply, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. Again, this is where it seems like, like Jesus is like, look, it's not for you, you're, you're a dog. What is Jesus doing? He's trying to draw out of the hearts of the disciples. Like, you do not see this woman as equal in dignity to you. But you do not see her. Like, you're the ones who see her as a dog. You're the ones who see the Canaanites as dogs, as, as lesser in dignity, worth, and value than you. So Christ is, 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 is drawing to their hearts because he's, he's setting them up for something even greater. So then she says, Lord, Lord, please, even for the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. And here's the key piece. Jesus knew this woman's heart and faith before she ever walked up. He knew her heart and her faith before she ever came to him. And then Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. He says this, and there are the apostles, I imagine, their heart is now pierced. Because many times, and we just read, we just read, Peter was walking on the water and turned his eyes and says, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? Many times Jesus saying this to the apostles and to the disciples, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And here is a pagan woman, a Gentile woman, Canaanite. And he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. And their hearts again convicted to the core. Christ trying to show them, again, that it's easy for all of us to, to, to judge, to have prejudice, to discriminate in our own minds and hearts and actions. And now we need to make a distinction here. 
that it is very important that we understand the difference between judging an action that someone does, but then assigning them a dignity less than what is owed them as created in the image and likeness of God. It is very important that we make judgment on actions. When people say, don't judge me, no, we need to judge actions. Is it a good action or an evil action? Is it a, a virtuous thing or is it a sin? We need to know the truth and we need to see it and understand it and judge it to be so. And we need to know the gravity of it, right? The gravity of either the act of charity, like how, how great was it, or, or the gravity of the sin, how, how less or how great it is. It's very important for us to do that. So for the disciples to say, hey, they're worshiping pagans. There's, there's significant immorality in their culture. That they are sacrificing their children to these gods that don't exist. That is not good. And that is evil. And it needs to be changed. But where the problem comes in is where they begin to look upon them or where we begin to look upon people as less than sons and daughters of God, as less than created in the image and likeness of God. It's a key, key distinction. There's lots of things. We just gave a longer talk um, kind of related to this to our, our student leaders on our leadership retreat. But lots of stuff going on in our culture right now. Lots of things, political back and forth and all this stuff. So it's important for us to judge what is right and wrong and to, and to do those things clearly. But we need to treat people with honor, dignity, respect, and the value that they deserve. It's very, very important. Um, you know, and it's particularly when, when we're either prejudiced or discriminating upon people for unjust reasons because of the color of their skin or the faith that they have or the country that they're from. It's particularly egregious in these situations. But here, the Lord is calling us. Yes, name. Like, Jesus is always clear, like, name the sin. Name the reality. But we cannot assign a human being a lesser value to see them as a dog. In this case, here in the gospel. But to know them, to love them, and to honor them, and to treat them with that that dignity and value and worth that they are owed. And you know what? Like, that is hard and messy in our own hearts and in, in the reality of conversations when, when, there, when life is hard and difficult and messy and all the things are, are meshed in there. And so we want to pray today that as we receive the Holy Eucharist, that we say very clearly, Lord, I am not worthy for you to enter under my roof. Lord, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Jesus, heal my mind and heal my heart, that it may see and know and love people rightly. That yes, Lord, you teach me the truth, and, and I can judge actions appropriately, and that's why it's important for us to study the scriptures and to study the teaching of the church, to study the natural law, like very important things. But in my conversations with people, in my interactions with them, even as I'm holding people accountable for their actions, which is important. It's important. But I treat them with the dignity and value that they deserve as a human being created in the image and likeness of God. And not someone who is either a lesser human being or a lesser, lesser thing than me. Come, Lord Jesus, right? Today as we receive the Eucharist, give us that 
that mind and that heart and let us repent and ask for his mercy for forgiveness when we haven't done this well. And as we take this journey, always returning to the font of mercy, to Christ to give us his eyes, his mind, and his heart so that we can see this and that we, our hearts, can be pierced as, as the disciples were in that moment when Jesus proclaims to this woman, shockingly to them, woman, great is your faith because she has come before the Lord and offered her life to him.